I'm excited about Easter. I know I, we, we get around this time and there's so many traditions that we do. Uh, when we were kids, uh, we had traditions that we would get Easter baskets. How many of you guys grew up getting Easter baskets as a kid? All right. So you get the sugar high right before you walked into the church service. Okay, it was great. And um, my parents had this tradition that they would take our Easter baskets and then hide them somewhere in the house. And we would get up and tear the house apart looking for the Easter baskets, but we were just so excited to be able to go on this hunt and get this big thing of chocolate and all this stuff. But then the next thing happened that I hated. Hated. No, it wasn't going to church for all you people that are giving me that look. I, I, we had pictures. You guys know what I'm talking about where you had to get all in the clothes and the tie was all crooked and everything. So this is one of my Easter tradition pictures when we were a kid, okay? This was all of us standing out there. Uh, if you're trying to figure out which one I am, I'm the good-looking one. So just, if you, that, the little weird kid at the end, that's Pastor Dave. Um, he does it, he looks mad. It's like he's upset to go to church. What was wrong with you, dude? I was with you. Oh, you were with me, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but it was great. Oh, by the way, today is Pastor Dave's birthday. He is, uh, he's getting old. It's getting old, but we love him. Uh, but anyways, we would do this, and then we would go to church after the picture, and guess what the preacher would preach on? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And say, why would he do that? Because that's the Easter story. Now, most of the time when we do that, we go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and we hear the, the account, we hear the story of what God's doing through that. And that's what we're telling on this stage We'll be telling the story of it. That's not what I'm doing today. We're going to go behind the scenes and hear the biblical teaching of what God was doing through the death, burial, and resurrection of that. Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 6 lays out the doctrine, the teaching. Okay, if we got up on Easter Sunday and gave some of these things, it wouldn't compete with them. The way that we're going to show it through the, the, the actual visual of it. For us for, that have been saved, we've experienced this for ourselves. So we're going to celebrate what God has done today by studying Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 6, mainly Romans chapter 6. So if we are saved, let me tell you how important it is. Because a lot of times we lift up the crucifixion, and we should. And a lot of times we talk about that he was buried, and we should talk about that. But the thing that we really focus on is the resurrection. Say, how important is that? Did you guys realize that when we lead somebody to Christ... We point to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say, I, I lead them through the Romans road. You know what the Romans road is? Let me give you Romans 10.9. Okay, that's a passage that we give when we're talking about the, that. So Romans 10.9, it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, what are we believing in our heart? That God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. No, I'm not... What he did on the cross is vitally important. But what we're talking about, the salvation that we experience, we're talking about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. It is our identity. We believe in confidence that God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, I'm going to give you Romans chapter 5, the setup to Romans chapter 6. So we'll jump to the end of the chapter. Gives a comparison between law and grace, between sin and salvation. Let me show you. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. See, the law is what calls us out. Let me just lay something out for you to, to where everybody to understand. 
for the, the biggest misconception that people have of trying to go to heaven or have forgiveness of sin is doing good works. If you don't believe me, <clears throat> go to anybody on the street and just ask them, if you died today, would you go to heaven? One of the number one things that people will repeat and say, I hope so, I try to be a good person. What the gospel account is giving us right here is explaining that there was the law. It was, the, it was, it was the, what is right and what is wrong, okay? It is, it is the law, that we're, the standard that we're held to. The idea is that every one of us is held to a standard just to realize that we all fall short. None of us are good enough. So the idea is we go to the law just to realize, hey, am I good enough? And it says, no, if you have one sin in your life, you are not good enough. You've lost perfection, and we're all sinners. Where sin did abound, and it did. It rained, it ruled. But the second part, but where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Grace is the story of what Jesus Christ did for us. He died for us because he loved us with a love we didn't deserve, and he gave it to us anyways. He was buried, and he rose again with the victory that he gives us that we didn't deserve. It's the gospel story. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. That as sin reigned unto death, and it did, even so like grace reigned through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus made things right on the cross is what he did. Now, I need you guys to bear with me for a minute because I know for some of you, you're going to say, I've heard a lot of this before. And you have. But I'm going to introduce a new way of viewing it. A new perspective as we do this. So some of the information will be re- repetitive if you've grown up in church and things when it comes to this. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 now. says this. What shall we say then? Pointing back to the grace of Jesus Christ. The salvation. The fact that grace conquered sin. That God conquered sin. What shall we say then? You talk about a conversation as he's saying this. Paul is almost like frustrated. And he's going and he says, guys, what are you saying? What are you doing? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The idea is that Christians were like, if you want to go to heaven, pray this prayer and receive Jesus. And Jesus come into my heart and save me. Woohoo, I'm saved. I'll live however I want. I'll just keep on sinning. I'll keep on doing. I'll stay the same person. And and Paul was saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't understand what this is about. You can't continue in sin and just say that grace has given me victory. You don't understand what you received. When you accept Jesus Christ, you have a life transformation. Paul was just saying through this, I need you to understand this. There's a brand new life. There's a new life. The truth of the matter is this, and let me just tell you guys, and I'm saying this because I love you, and everybody watching online right now, I'm saying this because I love you, and I'm saying this because God said it, by the way. You should not be living the life that you live before you receive Christ. Shouldn't. You say, I struggle. Welcome to the party. We all struggle, okay? Struggles with lying. Get pulled over by the cops before we receive Jesus Christ, before we had the standard and the power of God inside of us. So I just make up a lie. Just like, I'm going, my mom is dying in the hospital, i got to be there. And you just say whatever you're in. It's a total lie to get you out of a ticket. Man, we struggle with lustful thoughts. We struggle with greed. We struggle with negativity. We struggle with forgiving people. We write people off. It's all the old man. It's all struggles that we had. We struggle with adultery. We struggle with sex out of marriage. We struggle with the way that we date. We excuse our behavior. 
What does God say to that? Hey, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse 2, God forbid. God forbid. No, you shouldn't do that. No, that should not be your life. No, that should not be your attitude. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Man, it's, we make up so, excuse, so many excuses when we're living this way. You know what I'm saying? Before we received Jesus Christ, we had no standard in our life. We had no conviction in our life. We weren't living according to the word of God. And I was dead in my trespasses and sin. So yes, we did dumb things. A lot of us or a lot of people had a mouth, okay, that language. And it's like, man, when I get mad, I just cuss up a storm. Or I'll tell people what's on my mind or I give them a piece of my mind, okay? We, we, we have that language and that attitude of things that we say like that. So we cuss. And then people sit there, and even Christians will say things like this. Well, excuse my French. It's not French, it's sin. It's not, it's, it's not French. French is wee wee, okay? It's... This is, this is not, it's not, it's profanity. And we sit there and live this life and just acting like, well, that's just me. I grew up in this way. And God gets so frustrated when saying, why are you continuing to be who you were when you're not that person anymore? Just let me preach to you guys because you know that I love you. And a lot of times we've lost our distinction we end up telling our kids, I don't want you talking that way. It's because you're talking that way. They're only, if a child is, a, we're to train up our children the way they should go, and they're just mimicking what you're doing, you should be high-fiving them when they're cussing because they're just catching your example. They're just living and doing what you're doing. But then we have a problem because we go to work and we have this language and this attitude and this negativity and we're like this because we carry on the old man into our lifestyle and the old man of which we lived before. And then we sit there and say, hey, you should come to our Easter drama. You go to church? Oh, yeah, man, I, I go to church. It was like, they turn around like, I would have never thought that that guy goes to church. See, the world, the idea, if you go to church, then you're different. If you go to church, the man, then you, you go there to learn how to be right and do right. And it just doesn't add up. Paul was confronting the church because he said, your life is not adding up. What are you doing? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sins live any longer therein? Man, this is some strong hard language that he's saying he doesn't just say man this is he, he says this we that are dead to sin we're talking about from death to life we're talking about a drastic transformation what a description because the idea is sin is powerful guys i'm not trying to elevate saint or elevate this i'm just telling you guys before you met jesus christ the reason why we kept saying, I'm going to turn over a new leaf, or I'm going to be a better dad, or I'm going to, you couldn't, and all the efforts that you made, you struggle with that because of the fact is, in your own power, you weren't good enough. You weren't strong enough. You didn't have the power of yourself to do this. The thing that changed our life is that when you got saved, you didn't just get religious, you got Jesus. Jesus came to indwell your life. He came to change your life. So that's why he was saying, verse 6, or, or chapter 6, verse 2, how shall we that are dead to sins live any longer? You know, the, the, the truth of the matter is it's, it's like a bunch of Frankenstein Christians. 
I'm serious. We, dra- we drag up that old man that was crucified with Christ and we try to make them alive when you're, the fact is that you were, you were dead. Why are you living that way? Let me explain something. And I, this is what God gave me to share today. When we're talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's what happened to Jesus. But I need you to, to listen to me before you think that I'm taking this out of context. It's also what happened to you. I don't want you to view the death, burial, and resurrection of just what Jesus did, but I want you to understand that this is your story. This is your song. This is your testimony. You say, wait a minute, I I just go through life and I just point to see what Jesus did, see what Jesus did. He was buried, he rose again, that's what Jesus did. I claim that, but it goes deeper than that. Verse three, let's get this out of the Bible. Now notice the union between us and Christ. Notice the identity, the identity of what we're talking about between what he did and how God brings us into unity with this. Verse 3, know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Are you guys getting the language here? He, he's not just saying, let me point to what Jesus did. He's saying, no, do you understand? Spiritually speaking, not physically speaking. Spiritually speaking, this is my testimony. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Because of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, coming and dwelling with me, I have a union with this story. Let me break it down with you and explain to you how this applies. Let's apply the three aspects of the Christian story or the Easter story to our personal lives. Number one, The cross represents who you were. The cross represents who you were. Verse 6 again, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. This is important to understand the way that he says the old man, the old me, the previous Tony, the previous you. It's not old as in age, but old as in previous when it's talking about this. People that went to the cross were guilty of a crime. They were guilty of sin. They were guilty of whatever they were held against. Number one, explain this with the cross. This is my identity with the cross. It's because we were guilty. Like I said, the first part of this is going to be like, I know this. For some of you, you've already been through this. I'm taking you to the resurrection because that's where the life begins, and I want to get there. Jesus took our sins. The Bible says in verse 21, he that had made sin, or he that hath been made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. You see, it is my story because it was a substitution. Everything that I was talking about, let's just lay it out. We're talking about you speaking French. We're talking about your lustful mind. We're talking about your bad attitude. You're talking about your short fuse. You're talking about the old man, the way that you were raised to be mad or angry or or whatever it is. And you sit there and say, I was raised that way. I grew up around that. That's fine. Okay, we get that. Can I take you to it? Can I take you to the cross? 
Jesus said, listen, I, 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins, bore your cussing, bore your past, bore your fornication in his own body on the tree. We were guilty. And I see that in the cross. Number two, we were condemned. You see, it's not just that sin was there, but sin had to be dealt with. Every sacrifice that they made, it was the same thing. If they made sins in the Old Testament, they would sacrifice the lamb and did that. The Passover, sacrificed the lamb to do that. There was sin. There was a punishment. The wages of sin is death. This is when Jesus took our place. He didn't ignore sin. He dealt with our sin. This was a visual. I love this visual. We're, we're talking about this. If I explain anything, some of you guys are like me. This is what I do. If, if, I'm, in a, if I'm in a restaurant or whatever, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going to be like talking about uh, drawing something or building something or whatever, I have to take a napkin and I have to start drawing it out. You guys know what I'm talking about? If I'm telling somebody how to get someplace, I'm gonna, I'm, I've got to draw. I'm a visual person. I, I have to see it. If, if you get instructions for something, it's all words, I'm lost, okay? But if they start showing little, little step one step, you guys are like me, you know that. <laughs> That's why coloring books were so awesome as kids. It's just, they were just identified with that. The Bible's drawing visuals through this. The cross, the wages of sin is death. We look at the cross and say, oh, I get that. He was buried for our sins. Okay, we get that. He came out of new life. I get that. But also on the way to the cross was a visual that explained this. Go back to the Old Testament, talking about our sins, talking about our sins being condemned. The Bible says in Genesis 3.17, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. The word cursed, the ground was cursed, man was cursed, the world was cursed with sin. Now, if you've heard me preach before, you've heard me give this illustration, just bear with me. The Bible says in the next verse, thorns also and thistles shall bring forth to thee. It was a visual of the Old Testament. Okay, when the ground was cursed, he said it changed. The ground, when they would go out and they would harvest and they would pick up their tomatoes and cucumbers and they would go out there and grab their squash. And I mean, now there was thorns and thistles. They would reach down and reach up their hand and be like, oh man, I got cut. The wages of sin is death, pain, suffering. All of these things are identified. Well, the ground began to bring forth something that identified that. It was thorns. Jesus is going to the cross to bear our sins to bear our pain, to bear our cussing, our past, our foul mouth, our negativity, all these other things, the bitterness, the wrath, the unforgiveness. He took all of it on himself. The curse of sin. The, the, the man goes over and they take a crown of thorns and they wrapped it up and they put it on the head of Jesus Christ. When he said that he bore our sin, Literally, the visual of that, all the way back from Genesis, is the idea that Jesus took our sin all the way to the cross. You want to know what was on his mind? You don't know what he was feeling? It wasn't an accident. It wasn't just some random thing. The very thing that represented the fall of man and the curse of man was literally wrapped up on the mind of Jesus Christ. And every single one of the thorns that was wrapped up on him began to get slowly covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You say it's symbolizing him being the king of kings. It symbolizes a lot of things. 
Man, the more you get into the scripture, the more we realize what God was doing through all this. He was covered it. See, the idea, when I look at the cross, that was me. I was condemned. I was guilty. It was our curse, our shame, our problem. Everything. It was, it was me. My favorite verse in the Bible, and I quote this all the time. It is my life verse, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's yet not I, it's Christ that lives within me. In this life, which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. That's what we're talking about here. It was, it was, it was my, this is my past. This was who the old man was. The old man was crucified with him. But the second part is the burial represents how we were changed. I'm not just making this up. Watch this. Verse three again. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus, were baptized into his death. Listen to this, verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death. So following the story of Jesus Christ, this is literally what happened to him. And the, the, you've got to understand that the, the visual is baptism. But baptism has a spiritual meaning, not just a physical application of what we do after we're saved. I don't have time to get into it, but another time we'll do this. John was baptizing people before Jesus ever died on the cross and came out of the grave. So there was more to it. It was symbolic. The word baptist or baptism literally means to immerse in something. That's why we have immersion when we have baptism. To be completely covered or consumed by something. It's important for you to understand this. Completely consumed. Jesus was taken off the cross representing who you were, but who you were was carried to a tomb. Who you were was placed into a tomb. Who you were was placed and covered up. We do this today when someone dies. We place them in a grave. That's why he says in verse 4, they were buried. He says, therefore we are buried. That word buried means to be covered up. So here's the visual of this, okay? And a lot of us have seen this before, this, this picture of somebody being buried or the, this casket. The idea of the, your old man, of who you were. You've got to understand, Jesus says, I know your past. I know that you were a jerk. And I know you used to fight with everybody. I know you'd cut people off. And I know how you were with things. That, that You'd come home and you'd say, tell my wife, I just don't make me mad. You know I have a short fuse. You know I had a bad day talking about the old man. Jesus said, let me take your old man. Let me show you something. I took your old man. I nailed your old man to the cross. I bear your sins in my body. I took it upon myself. All your failures and all that was crucified with Christ. It died. It has no power anymore. It's done. Then he takes us from there and he says, I died with your sin. And he brings us over to your old man. If you are saved, let me introduce you to the person you used to be. Amen. That's you. That's you. The old man was crucified with Christ, but we are buried with him like into baptism. He wants you to understand this so much that he literally puts you in a thing of water and buries you there to literally say, hey, you know who you used to be? Not anymore. Completely covered, completely consumed, completely changed. It is a drastic, radical transformation in your life. We stand over that. When your wife still battles with you being a jerk all the time, you're losing your temple, you, you, you have a wife that's constantly negative, and you're dragging people down all the time, and you constantly are being mean on Facebook, you constantly unfriend people, you don't know what it means to be a true friend. A friend is someone that sticks closer than a brother. 
unfriend, I'm done with you. Agape, no, that ain't agape love. God's agape love. Our love, our love writes people off. That used to be me. It's not me anymore. That's why Paul was saying, hey, so, what? So you're going to continue in sin that grace may abound, God forbid, because you are, uh, dude, that's you. What are you doing? It's, let me explain it like this. The, the, the grave of what he was talking about in verse 6 of knowing that that's not you anymore. Read verse 6 with me. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be uh, put a band-aid on it. That the body of sin might be dealt with. Help me out, guys. That the body of sin might be what? That's a pretty powerful word. God wasn't playing. He, 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 didn't, he didn't come in to, to play around with sin. He literally, through all of this, was writing it out, said that the body of sin might be destroyed. If you want a visual of this, just go back to the cross. You know, go, go back to who you used to be. That, that's the visual of this. The Bible says in the next verse, for he that is dead is freed from sin. You know what? The, the burial represents that we are freed from sin. Now, now think about how hypocritical we can be about this. We're talking, and I'll explain this as we go. We sing songs. I love this song. I'll, I'll jam out in my car. I'll sing. To, hey, God likes my singing. If you guys don't like it, God does like my singing. <laughs> Tells me all the time. Joyful noise. I love the song Chain Breaker. Does anybody like that song Chain Breaker? Whatever. I, I, we sing the song all the time. My chains are gone. It's been set free. There's a bunch of songs that we have about the, the, the chains being there because it represented the fact that we, if, if you are freed from sin before you were bound to sin, that, that visual of that. For the longest time, it's like before Jesus Christ, it's like, honey, I'm sorry. I'm going to do better. I promise you I'll be a better man or whatever. And then you go out and get drunk the next weekend. Well, I had a bad week and I didn't know what to do. It's just, we have an excuse and we justify everything in our lives. You know why? Because you walk out of work and Satan says, where are you going? I'm going home to be my wife. No, you, you forgot something. I, I, I own you. Man, he just pulls us around. And by the way, the destination of that he's taking to you is hell. So I don't want to hear that. That's the truth. I'd rather you hear it now than when you stand before Christ. The wages of our sin is death. That death is a spiritual death, which is separation from God. God doesn't send people to hell because he doesn't love you. He, he died on the cross because he loves you. It's a matter of you receiving what he did to set you free from your sin. But the Bible was illustrating of this, that you're sitting there being pulled around like that. And God says, don't you understand? You are now freed from sin. God sets us free. Verse 14, look at this. Verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Literally, dominion, power, control over you. You were held captive all of that time, but I'll tell you, that's not the case anymore. Notice the last part of verse 6, that the body of sin might be destroyed from henceforth. We should not serve sin. You say, why? He broke the chain. He set you free. You are not held captive anymore. Then why are you letting him drag you around? Why are you doing that? 
Why in the world are you letting Satan have control when he doesn't have control? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. It's mind control. It's manipulation. He gets in your heart. See, it's not just freed from sin. And I'm telling you guys this next part because some of you need to hear this today. It's important that you understand this today. the, The burial represents that you're freed from sin, but also it means that our past is buried. I'm saying this because a lot of us have a past. Some of you have a past, and there's things that you regret. Maybe you're one that looks back and says, man, when I was a teenager, I lived, I lived a wild life. I, I, I had abortions that nobody even knows about. Man, I, I did things that I'm so ashamed of. Some of you have a criminal record and some of you have I mean there's things that nobody even knows about but the thing about it is nobody might know about it but Satan loves to throw those things up to your to your mind hey every, every time you go to do something talk to your kids or lead or volunteer in the church he said really you're gonna do that you, 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 you think you're good enough to walk into that church and walk on a stage and sing or walk into that place and lead kids or all that he messes with our minds that's why it's important for us to understand that we are not to live that way anymore. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, anybody testify to that today? If you be in Christ, he's a new creature. Oh, and by the way, old things are passed away. I'm not going to put it back up there, but God takes you back after you're saved and says, let me take you back to your past. I said, no, I'm ashamed. Man, I can't, I, I, I had that affair. I've, I've been an adulterer. I've, 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 I've slept around my whole life when I was a teenager. I, I, I used to be an addict. I used to be, I used to be. And he says, bring me. It's not you anymore. Old things are passed away. It's not your identity anymore. God literally takes it after they took what represented the sin and the bloody mess of Jesus Christ dying on it. They brought him to a tomb and they put it in there. You know what they did afterwards? They put a tomb or the stone and they wrapped it all around that. The idea was that it's not who you are anymore. It was buried, covered, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, covered by your past. Here's the thing that you guys need to understand. Dead things can't hurt you anymore. So I hope I don't, I hope I've been good enough to go to heaven. You understand, God will bring you back to that tomb and say, that's your sin, it can't touch you anymore. Now I'm not saying that we still don't struggle with sin, and I'll hit that in a minute. Paul had this problem as well, and I know that he had to struggle with this. He said, brother, I count myself not the apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Because a lot of you are living your life like this. You're constantly going forward and looking over your shoulder saying, man, I'm so embarrassed. And God's saying, it's time to move forward. He takes us to that spiritual tomb. He brings us to that place and reminds us that our past has been forgiven. It's buried. It's changed. Romans 6, 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also should walk in newness of life. We talk about the cross represents who we were. The burial represents how we were changed. But the resurrection represents who you are. Because listen to what he's saying with this. In verse 4 again, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The story of the resurrection is that Jesus Christ died, laid three days in the grave, they buried him, and he came out victorious. 
But this is where it gets good for us. Are you guys okay with this? I, I, I can't just leave it. And we talk, I'm so glad that he died for me. Me too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that he died for us. But I'm glad that he rose again because that's where my new life begins. That's why in Romans 10, 9, he's saying, do you believe that he died? Yes. Do you believe that he was buried? Yes. Do you believe that he rose again? Here's what he's saying in verse 4. He said, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There's two things that I want you to get out of this about the resurrection. Number one, we are made new. That's what the verse is saying, this, a second chance, newness of life. That's why he said in 2 Chronicles or 2 Corinthians 5.17, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I deliberately didn't finish that verse the last time I was there. Because the idea wasn't just that you were put to rest. That a lot of time it's saying there, it's like, woohoo, I'm going to heaven. Woohoo, I'm not going to hell. Praise God for that. But God says, you know what? I want you coming out of that grave to newness of life. You guys realize that everyone here, if you were a dad and you got saved, your kids should have a new daddy. If you were a mom and you got saved, your kids should have a new mom. If you're a grandparent and you got saved, there should be a transformation in your life. You're not who you used to be. Things have become new in your life. You had a heart transplant. Man, those, that old corrupt nature, who you were, that old man was buried in that grave. You come out differently. You walk out of that tomb. It's my, it's, it's my identity with Jesus Christ. It does not eliminate the battle. Do you understand that a lot of us will go through life and say, Pastor Tony, man, I still struggle with my thoughts. Man, I'll tell you, if I'm not careful, man, I get so upset that I want to punch people in the face. And I know, you're not going to admit it, but I tell you, we all have those thoughts. We all get mad. We all get irritated. But here's the thing. You now have to apply what the Bible is saying through this. Of the fact that it no longer has dominion over you. This is what I'm saying. Let me, let me put it like this. It's not only that we have a new life, but we live a new way. This is where a lot of you guys could really, man, if we could, if we could tap into this to say, oh, wait a minute. I, I, I can be different. Yeah, you can be radically different through what you did, what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Verse 4 again, and I know we keep reading these verses, but I'm trying to bring this home with us. But the second part of this, Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Let me finish it up like this. Through Jesus Christ, you have a new story. Through Jesus Christ, you've been changed. Yes, sin had power. Let me tell you guys, sin has power. Man, it pulls you around and man, you had the addictions and the problems and man, you were so, so consumed by that. Man, I just want to change so bad. But you realize that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and he cried out, it is finished. You understand that debt was paid. It was crucified. It was murdered. It was destroyed. It's all the verse, all the verses that we just read. He said, it is finished. I did something. And now as a result of that, God gave us a new life because of the fact that he cut the chains of that. For the fact that we go around in life and we think, man, I can't, I can't get over this. And I, I can't have it in my mind that I'm set free for this. And I, and I still struggle, Pastor Jordan, I struggle so much. And God says, oh, 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 by the way, did you not remember that there's verse 11 here? Oh, yeah. Uh, likewise, you need to reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin. 
but alive unto God through Jesus Christ the Lord. It's time that a lot of you start making a declaration in your life and saying, hey, what, what, wait, wait a minute. I don't have to talk like that. I, I don't have to have those thoughts consume my mind. And saying for the longest time, he had you with those chains. And you say, dude, you don't have no dominion over me anymore. You have no chains on me. I've been set free. Those chains have been broken of that. Now it's a matter of, we just do verse 12. Let not sin, therefore reign in your mortal body. You know why it says let not? It's a choice. It's a choice. Say, Pastor Tony, I'm not strong enough to resist. You're not strong enough to resist. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. The same spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit of God that lives inside of you. I am saying this because we can celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection all day long. But he says in that verse, in verse 6 again, he says that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So here I am as a Christian. I look to the cross and I say, thank you for taking my place. I see my past and I see my sin and I see my failures. I see all that. He bore my sin on the cross. Even the crown of thorns, everything represented the anger and the wrath. And then God takes me to the tomb and he says, there it is. Can't hurt you anymore. It's buried. It's covered. It's consumed. It's put behind you. It's dead. And he calls us out of the grave. He calls you out of the grave and he says, come on. You're going to come out of there differently because the old man is left behind. But behold, I make all things new. But he says at the end of that, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth for now on, we should not serve sin. You want to know how we're going to change our families and change Columbus, Ohio and make a difference for glory of God? Is when we start living the story and not just telling the story. Man, praise God that we can point to the cross. Look what Jesus did. Look what the resurrection did. Praise God for that. It's time to start living it. That is your identity. That is who you are. So all of a sudden, when Paul is saying to there, he goes, should we continue in sin and just say that grace should abound? God forbid. God forbid. Every time you let that language come out of your mouth, may God scream in your ears, God forbid. Every time you flip somebody off in traffic, God forbid. Every time you try to write a friend off because they did you wrong, God forbid. God forbid. We that have been saved by God will not let sin have dominion over us anymore. You have a new identity. You've been set free. You've been changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection isn't just something I point to. It's something that I live.